0: Um, this week we are continuing in our series on Proverbs called Skill for Life. And I was given a choice, um, just before this week by Dave. And he, he had asked me, he's like, you know, I, I have two subjects that you could preach on this week and I'm gonna let you choose. And so I said, sure, what do you, what do you got for me? And he had, he had two. He had words and he had anger. Now this, was the hardest decision I had all week. In the midst of everything, to choose between talking about how Proverbs is profitable for our life in both words and anger, it's, it's terribly difficult. And I'll tell you why. Um, you, wouldn't, you might know this about me. Most of you might not think, of, think it. Um, I was a terribly, terribly angry young man. If you can think of the angriest person you know multiply them by 10, and that was me. I was a little guy at 15. I was probably about this tall. Not that, not that short. But I was a little guy growing up, and I always carried with me a lot of bitterness and a lot of anger. So right off the bat, when Dave said, what do you want to preach on, I almost went with anger. But the thing with anger is, anger is nothing if it doesn't have its weapons. And that's where words come in. And I was skilled ...with the weapon of my words. I would use my words craftily. I would use them hastily. I would hurt people. I would hurt myself. I would rain down terror... ...with my tiny little Napoleon-like fists... ...with my words. Because that was all. I didn't have the strength to fight. I was easily subdued. But man, I can make you hurt with words. So this week we are going to look at the power of words... Namely, that life and death are within our words, that they exist within that. And we're, I just have to check one thing. And we're going to look to Proverbs because it's exceptionally helpful. It shows us that our words, our tongues, our mouth, that they are crafty things. And they are are things we have to subdue, we have to control. Because if we just let them loose, they will injure. They will destroy. And it's important to turn to Proverbs because David said it again and again. Life is full of seemingly gray areas. And simple lists of yes, no, don't always help us. And what we do with our words is we create lists of these words are okay and these words are bad. Now, I want to make sure because I know the kids are here. It's important to have words you don't say. Curse words, cuss words, crass words, these words make you look foolish. They make you seem like you have less of a, of a vocabulary and they, they're just not becoming. They're bad things. But at the end of the day, the worst kinds of words are not the curse words. The worst kinds of words are the words that flow angrily and hastily out of a dirtied, polluted heart. And that's what Proverbs is going to speak to. It's going to speak to those words that normally in everyday life, they'd be perfectly fine. But when they're said in anger, when they're said in hatred, and when they're said with that cut in your voice, they can kill. So as I was thinking about this, I started thinking about something else. That's dogs. Now you probably are thinking to yourself, you know, why is the pastor, who was giving a sermon on words, all of, a, all of a sudden going to start talking about dogs. Well, my reason is very specific. I used to work at this, at, this, um, at this shop. I was at a manufacturing company operating a CAD machine. And in this shop, all of a sudden, there was this revolution of employees bringing their dogs into work. They just decide, you know, my dog is the most amazing dog in the world, so everyone should share in my dog's glory. I'm bringing it, and they're going to love it. And the reason it started is the owner's nephew brought in a dog, and this dog was beautiful. It was, a, it was a golden retriever. It had nice red hair. It was sweet. He got it when it was about one years old. It was well-trained. It would come up to you, be real nice. It was mature. It was, it was the perfect dog. This dog is like, it almost is the mascot of the company now. This dog was amazing. Problem was, other people start bringing their dog. So Taylor's there and she's sweet. This other dog shows up. This dog's name is Buckley. Now Buckley was a nice dog. But Buckley was a little bit more unpredictable. Buckley could go from just kind of sitting there wagging his tail to sprinting across the shop and all of a sudden jumping at customers, which at that time, as I was the manager, frightened me dearly because I did not want one of our customers either suing the company or refusing our business because they had been attacked by a dog. But this dog, it was energetic, it was fun, it was seemingly nice, but at the blink of the eye, it could just eat the arm off a couch. It could just go for it and just go crazy. But then there was a third dog, this dog. This dog, I'm just going to call Crazy Eyes, it had it was a, it was one of those white husky dogs those dogs that you're like you kind of wondering in the back of your head how much is this dog husky and how much is it wolf it was just it was a dog that was frightening and this dog had been a rescue one of the coworkers had found out about it and decided that it was going to raise it he he had wanted a dog really bad and he wanted a, he wanted this dog but it had been locked in a cabin it had destroyed the cabin. It had been wild. And he's like, I want the dog. So he gets this dog and he would bring it around. The only problem was there was no leader. The dog would lead sometimes. The owner wasn't really owning the dog. And at times it seemed like it seemed like he went out of his way to do nothing to train this dog. Like it just got angrier and wilder as the days went by. And you kind of have to ask yourself at some point, is this dog going to murder me soon? I'm not I'm not quite sure. So, for the most part, all these dogs were lovely, enjoyable. Even the white one, it was it had a beautiful coat, beautiful eyes. But sometimes you really just don't want to deal with a dog at work. And that led to some problems. But the problem becomes when you own a dog and I used to own dogs, so I understand this. So I'm not, I'm not attacking dog owners right now. I think dogs are lovely, really want to box her, want to name her Ruby and treat her nice. But that's a different conversation with Hannah. <laughs> I love dogs. But when you own a dog, you get blinders on your eyes. Like you get this, you get this perspective. It's like with kids sometimes, or it's more like with grandkids. My grandkids are Perfect. They're the most lovable, sweet, amazing kids there are. With dog owners, it's like, my dog is the best dog in the world. Don't worry, it won't bite you. Oh, that's not a bite. That's just a nip. That's not blood. You don't need stitches. Oh, you don't have to go to the ER. It's just like they're very unaware of what they truly have with their dog. And it's the same thing with our words. We are so unaware of what we have. We are so unaware of how we use our tongues. We are so unaware of what flows out of our mouth that what I want you to do as we're going through Proverbs today is just take this time to wake up and realize you have an amazing amount of power and strength that comes out of that tiny little mouth of yours. And if you don't keep it in check, you have the power to give life and you have the power to kill. Our text today, we're going to be looking at a few Proverbs, and we're just going to start by reading one of them, and we'll come back to it later. But we're going to read Proverbs 18, 20 through 21. And we'll come back and talk through it, but I just want to read that before we pray. 18, verse 20 through 21. This is what it says. From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our words. We thank you for the tongues and the mouths that you have given us. We thank you that we can communicate, that we can express, that we can give praise to you, like we were able to so wonderfully do as we stood with We stood in awe of you as we worshiped. And right now, we just ask that as we consider our words and the power that dwells in them, that through you, through your wisdom, through your spirit, we would redeem our speech. We would redeem that which we would say, and we would do that by understanding how powerful they are and knowing that we need to transform them. Thank you so much for gathering us here today. And Lord, just help us, bless us as we look to Your Word and seek to grow in Your wisdom. It's in Your holy name we pray. Amen. I'm just going to spell it out. This is hopefully going to be a practical sermon to you. Hopefully, the kids are able to understand this. I'll try and I'll try and keep it as non-boring as possible. That was the goal of the dog speech. Um, but we're just going to go with a practical question that I hope you're thinking right now, and that's, how do I redeem my words? How do I transform my words? You might be one of those people that says, man, I, I got the mouth of a sailor. It's bad. It's pretty good. I can keep it kind of in check, but it's bad sometimes. You might be that person. You might be another person that just says, you know, I'm pretty good, but then you get me on the interstate, and I see those Illinois drivers, and ooh, the words come out or you might be i mean you might be a kid and you're usually pretty great but then you get a rock thrown at you or something or somebody takes your let's say let's what are the kids playing today somebody takes your like four square ball i don't know what kids play anymore <laughs> <laughs> somebody takes your game and all of a sudden oh they're going to i'm going to let them know you're the worst person in the world cuz you took my game you you might even be a person that has the most perfect language in the world, you're, we'll use wives, you're a loving wife, you're doting to your husband, you take care of your children, everything is, is seemingly perfect, there's some difficulty, you have some difficulty in life, but you know, for the most part, you know you're loved, you know you love, and you feel blessed in the Lord. But man, sometimes, sometimes that husband... He just knows just how to get right. He just does, he does that same thing all the time. He always does that and he knows it bothers you. And sometimes, you know, you just want to let him, you just want to let him know. And you want him to know that you, you mean business. So that, that might be you. And your question is, how do I then redeem my words? How do I transform my words? What, what do you have for me, God, to teach me about this? And I'd say we're going to do two things. The first thing you have to do is you have to recognize that your words have power. So this is where we're starting. We're starting with number one, have to recognize that your words have power. We've all heard the old nursery rhyme, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is crazy. That is such a crazy thing to, to say. It does. It's not logical at all. It doesn't make any sense. Words are powerful things. In fact, throughout all of Scripture, again and again, we are told that words are powerful. Just think, we're just going to do a quick survey. Think, through words, through words, God spoke creation into being. In Genesis 1, it doesn't say God, you know, thought about like, okay, I can take these things and combine them and it'll just happen. It'll be amazing. No, he literally spoke things into being. You, me, the ground, the pillars, all this stuff, they are spoken things. God created them by speaking them into being. Not only that, by words, he has communicated again and again through the prophets. Now through Jesus Christ and the Spirit, he has communicated with his people. As the word, Jesus came to put on the flesh and dwell among us. Words are the way we hear the gospel. Words are the way God has told us the story of his love and redemption. Words are the way we grow through instruction in his word. Words are the way that we give worship and praise to God. Words are important and words are powerful. Yet we throw them around as if they're nothing. Words have so much power and we just, we just don't, We just use them and don't even really care what we do with them. They're, they're worthless to us in a way because we just throw them away. We just use them randomly. We, we don't think before we say them and we hurt with them. And, and, The two two texts today are going to help us understand that our words are powerful. And the first one was what we just read, the 1820 through 21. From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat his fruits. What that text is saying is that you have two very different set of people. You have one person named Bob who speaks evil. And he uses, he uses every word in every poor way you can possibly imagine. And when he does that, it fills him up. He is so attached to the anger and the hatred that comes out of his words that it literally satisfies his being. And when he doesn't say those words, he starves. And it cripples him. And to get back, to restore himself, he has to, he literally has to express his anger. It's an addiction to him. And I can tell you it's an addiction because I was addicted. And then on the other side, we'll have, you have another guy named Rob. And he is, he is equally fed by that which he says, but he gives life in his words. That which he speaks brings life to people. He uplifts, he upholds, he benefits people. And the words that he says equally feeds him. He has to tell people how much he loves them. He has to sustain them with his words. He has to keep doing it because if you take it away from him, he equally will die. So both men in both instances, the way that they speak, the way they use their words are literally the way they are sustained. Excuse me. Then we have another text in 12 18. Proverbs chapter 12:18 reads There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts but the tongue of the wise Brings healing. So not only are Bob and Rob fed by that which they say, Bob, his words and his anger, they just lash out. There is no buffer. He gets upset and he strikes. You taunt him, you betray him, you cause him any sort of pain, and immediately he's back on you because he has no tolerance. And then on the other side, you have Rob who is patient with his words. His words are known to bring healing. He slows down, calms himself. He is the antithesis of Bob in that his words do not react quickly, do not stab at you, but are ones that bring healing. So what does this tell us about the power of words? First off, there are those of Bob that bring death. That are swords for us that are destructive. Words that literally destroy people. They can tear down, they can cut, they can kill, and they can ruin people. These are words like sarcasm. They are cutting comments, backhanded compliments. They're insults, their mockery, their gossip. And I I was thinking, you know, where do you, where can you find these things best? Where do you see these best being displayed? I, I decided there's two areas that you best see destructive words. You see them all throughout life, but there's two best places you see them, the playground and the internet. Those are like the two most prominent areas where destructive words really just reign and rule. And you really, the really the best place to look is the internet. If you want to see a lot of hate, go to either a political article, a sports article, or a religious article. It can even be people that are of the same faith. And if you read the article, scroll down and read the comments section, it's like people don't even know what they're doing. They start talking and yelling at each other and attacking each other. And the question becomes, are these people 30 or three years old? What is going on there? And the reason that this is happening is because people either know very clearly how much power they have or they don't know at all. And they just decide, you know what? I can hurt this other person very easily from the security of my home and have no pushback from them. But on the other side, you have those life-giving words. You have healing words. You have words that can restore. You have words that forgive Words that bless, words that show love, and words that build up. They are kindness, humor, affection, expression, guidance, encouragement. There's all kinds of ways that you can use your words in a life-giving way. The reality is you can even give criticism and tell people how they're wrong and do it in a life-giving way by properly measuring your words and knowing who you're dealing with and how to help them. The best way I could think of illustrating this was um, one of the first kind of fights that me and, H- me and Hannah had when we dated. We don't, we don't terribly fight very often. Um, this isn't wood, so I can't knock on it. Um, we don't fight so often, but at first we would have disagreements on how to do things. And growing up and just kind of being in a house of boys, we had disagreements all the time. We fought, we had arguments, it was par for the course. This is what you do. You're boys, you get on each other's nerves, you get over it, and you move on. So I grew up with brothers that, it's like, 30 minutes ago I was angry with Chuck already to the point where I could strangle them, and then 30 minutes later we're playing a video game together like nothing happened. Like it was just, there was no division. And one time, me and Hannah were having an argument. We had a disagreement on something, and I had hurt her. And as we were driving along, I apologized. I said, I'm, I'm sorry for saying that. That was wrong. I reacted poorly. Um, I apologize for being a dummy. And Hannah said the most amazing thing to me. She looked me in the eye. We'd stopped. It wasn't like I was driving and looking at her. It's a very dangerous thing to do. I don't recommend it. Um, she looked at me. She said, I forgive you. I forgive you. And that was one of the first times I'd ever heard like just a specific heartfelt, I forgive you. This is, no, this is no criticism of my parents or my family or anything like that. Just never had someone I was close with that just said, I forgive you for what you do we can move on. I'd read about it in the Bible. I treasured it. I would treasured that level of forgiveness in the word, but I'd never really heard it from somebody. And so, that's the kind of power words have. They are, there's that fine razor's edge that we walk with our words that just on each side, it's that close to using the same words to just destroy someone. And the other side to just build them up and let them have strength in life. So if words have that kind of power, how do we change them? If we recognize my words have the strength to do this, how do I then transform them? Easy. You treat them like a puppy dog. You treat them, that's redundant. You treat them like a puppy. That's how, the way that you transform your words is that you start treating them the same way you would treat a tiny, tiny dog. And there's a few steps. The first, the first is that you recognize that the dog needs to change. You could easily just say, this dog is adorable. Oh, it's okay. It's a puppy. It just pees on the carpet. Oh, it's okay. It's a puppy. It just likes to gnaw on furniture. Oh, it's okay. It's a puppy. It just likes to attack small children. You could easily say that about the adorable little puppy. But all that's going to keep happening is the dog is going to keep ruining your life. And soon it's going to be a giant dog. And then the poops aren't going to be as small. So you're going to have a problem there. So the first thing, just as you need to start disciplining the puppy, you need to have a heart change. If you're going to change your words, you have to start by changing your heart. And Jesus was very clear about this in Luke 6, 43 through 45. He spoke to the Pharisees, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What you're saying has an origin point, and it's the fact that your heart is corrupt or you are choosing to let your heart do improper things. So you need to start by saying, I need a heart change. And if you haven't, if you don't know Christ at this point, it's right here. If you don't know Jesus Christ, anything else I tell you is only going to set up a system of trappings that will fail you. You first have to place your trust in Jesus Christ and recognize that you need him to take your sin away and change your heart so you can start pursuing this. Because otherwise, the only reason you're going to be doing this is so you're, for example, when I was 18, the only reason I controlled my language is because otherwise Chrissy would yell at me like she would be angry at me if I would say naughty things in front of the kids. So that was the only reason I controlled my language around them. She thought I was nicer than I was because I knew if I said something awful, she would get on me about being a bad example to the children. So, so that's step one, get a heart change. Step two, restrain your words or in another way, put a leash on the dog. Have you ever seen someone take like a little, a dog out to like the dog park or for a walk or anything and they just think, you know, my dog is great. It's not going to cause any problems and you go five feet and that dog is on a new person. Like, hey, hey, you're nice. You look like a person. You might have candy. Gimme, give gimme, give gimme. Give That's what dogs are like. They just go. They do what they want to do. They're they're freewheeling. You can't stop them. Words are irrational too. You think you have control over your tongue? You don't. You don't. James 3 says, there's no one who can tame the tongue. You literally cannot simply just say, my tongue is fine, I'll let it do what it wants to do. You have to restrain it. Proverbs seventeen twenty seven says, whoever restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Start by restraining your words. Eat your words. If you, there's a, there's a split second when you're speaking and you know you're going to say something. I used to call that the good feeling, like, ooh, this is a good one. All right. Well, your mom's like the earth. Like, gotcha. Like, you know, right as you're coming up with something, it's going to fly out of your mouth. You can stop it. So you have to restrain it. You have to put a leash on your tongue and have boundaries about what you say and how quickly you say it. And this might change person to person. You might have people that you are just able to talk to without any issues in the world, but there might be people in your life that you know you have to restrain your tongue around. Third, you need to guard your words. I like to think of this as putting up a fence around your dog, like letting the dog, letting dog have the backyard, but putting up a fence. Proverbs 13.3 says, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. Growing up, I said we had a dog. We had a Dalmatian. Her name was Pepper. Loved Pepper. I got kind of tired of her at the end, admittedly. Like it was, I had grown up with her since I was three. So by the time I was 16, I was kind of just bored. But Pepper was a wonderful dog. She was a lot of fun. Great dog. She only had one problem hated children just could not stand them any adult she loved them she would go up be real nice be real calm like just introduce herself as soon as you would introduce a child into the room she would start quaking and she would just be she'd be afraid and we had we had a few times i think it was only twice where she would be laying and families would come over, and they'd be like, she's a Dalmatian. So it's like 101 Dalmatians had come out. Kids love Dalmatians. And they would see her, and they'd be like, puppy. And they'd walk over and just fall on her. Now, you fall on a dog, the dog's going to react. And so we had a few times where Pepper would squeal. She'd give her a big cry, and then she would jump and kind of nip the kid. So never she... This is where my dog owner thing comes in. It's like, she never caused him to bleed. Like the kid was fine. He just, uh, he's got a warning bite. He should have stayed away from my dog, but we had to guard pepper. Like we had to do it for her good. So what we started doing was putting her in my parents' bedroom and shutting the door because it was safer for her and it was safer for our guests for pepper to be in the back room. Sometimes you have to guard your words. You have to guard your tongue. And you do that two ways. Number one, you put a fence up to keep things out. Things want to get in to affect your words. Things want to get in to affect your tongue. They can be music, movies, certain television shows. There are things that you pour into your life that will affect what you say. You have to make a decision to put up fences in your life to keep them out. And additionally, you have to have those fences up to keep your words from getting out too. Saying to yourself, these are things I will not say to another person. These are things I will never let loose from it. I um, In high school, I was in a jazz swing choir and a concert choir. That's right. I got pretty good moves. Um, I can't dance right now cause I have an ankle brace, but that's neither here nor there. And we had one year where one of our, one of our new big singers all of a sudden just disappeared one day. It was really important to our group. And we're like, where, where is, where's is this young man? Call him Jay. Like, where's Jay? And over three days we found out that he'd been suspended. Like, why was he suspended? Uh, he made a threat to someone. Like he made a threat. He's a really nice guy. What happened? Well, he said, I'm going to kill you to someone. And he just said it. He said it as a passing joke. And someone got scared and told the principal and you didn't mess around. Columbine had been a few years earlier. There was a lot of fear. It's still a lot of fear today. There's no, there's zero tolerance for that. And that's how you have to live. There are things in your life that you have to have zero tolerance for saying. Zero tolerance for saying, you know what? I don't love you to your wife or husband. Zero tolerance for saying you look really dumb to your children. Maybe you could say that, but in a different way. But there has to be zero tolerances, fences set up so that your family, your friends, your kids know that which you are going to speak to them is not going to destroy them. Fourth, you need to renew your mind. How terrible is it when a dog is huge and still acts like a puppy? Like, it's just, it's awful. Like, Old dogs should act like old dogs. Like, for example, Spielman's. Your wonderful boxer, you have. It's still, it's still very nice It wants to be sweet and like talk and or not talk, but it wants to touch and be pet. Doesn't talk to you, but it acts like an old dog. It's slow. It's not getting too hyper. It's, uh, it's at least when I've been around, it understands its place. It's not trying to jump up on people. I think as much. <laughs> Never mind. I just called out the Spielmans for their dog you need to stay disciplined with your tongue. You need to stay disciplined with your words and you can't get lax because you think you've gotten better that you think you've beat it. There's been times where I've said to myself, I've beaten you words. I've got the upper hand and then me and Hannah will have a little dispute about something and I'll have one of those arrows right in my bow. Like, Whoa, I was locked and loaded and ready to fire and I could have hurt her very easily with that, because that's how close we are. We have to, out of the newness of our heart, restrain it, and we have to stay disciplined about doing that. And we need to do it by renewing our minds. And Romans twelve two. I'm running out of time, so going a little bit faster. Romans twelve two specifically talks about the way we're transformed. We are transformed by the renewing of our minds. So you stay disciplined by pouring into you. Just like we keep things out, we pour things into us that are good. We surround ourselves with people that are going to say, you said some really nasty things to your kids today. Like, ooh, that was kind of wrong. And give people the opportunity to say that to you. Or surround yourself with other husbands and wives or, or friends or just anybody that can say to you, what you said was pretty awful. You need to apologize and you need to change the way you act um, to close, I want to just tell you about two quick stories. Oh wait no we have one more. Last one number five: know the purpose of your words. When people get a dog they get a dog for a reason. It's like you want a companionship you wanted you want a little bit of protection. people are frightened of dogs our downstairs neighbors they want a dog that would protect them. So they got one of those little wiener dogs, and he is a defender. He will bark at anyone. Like, male, male comes, he's barking. Sees me in the hallway, he's barking. But he's he's not that bad, but he's a defender of the home, his little German dog. But we need to know the purpose of our words. If we're going to be saying something, have a reason to say it. In Ephesians 4.29, is the last text we'll go to, Ephesians 4.29 is very specific about what the purpose of our words should be as believers. Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupting, corrupting as in destroying, bringing down, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. What is the purpose of your words? What is the purpose of what you're going to say? If you're about to say something and you're thinking in your mind, the purpose of what I'm about to say right now is to hurt this person, you've got a wrong reason. You've got a bad reason and your heart may not be doing so well in that moment. And so you need to pray. You need to seek the Lord in that time. You need to restrain and contain that which you have. But if the purpose of your words is to build up, if the purpose of your words is to strengthen, encourage, and bless, all of a sudden, the hardest criticism you could give a person will be, the, will be the greatest blessing to them. They will be able to accept that because you will carry out that purpose in a way which is out of love. So to close, as I said, I wanted, I'm just going to tell one story. Tell one story that I was thinking about this week, and it was when I, when I um, was first a Christian, and I was going to UW Parkside down in Kenosha, and I'd started hanging out with fellow Christians. And my first year of faith was rocky, as anybody's is. Like as you're figuring things out, you're you're growing, you're maturing, you're starting to see just how many sin problems you really have, and all these things that you need to deal with. And I, had, I had, had a terrible shop mouth that I was, a, I, was a man, I was in the shop all the time at, at my job, and I just started, I had, a really, I had a really bad language problem. And I'd been going to this group with fellow Christians, and my first thought in my mind as I was going, it's like, man, I'm so glad that it's, it's been about three months since I really licked that language problem. I have such great language now. This is going to be amazing. I'm going to hang out with these guys. They're going to like me. It's going to be great. And I went to lunch with one of them. And I remember going, this guy, is his name is Dan. He's 6'8". I don't know where 6'8 is, but he's 6'8". He's like 300 pounds. He's a principal of a school right now, which I think is amazing. Because giant principals are like the scariest thing in the world for kids. That's what kids need. They need a giant principal just to scare them. Anyways, so we were going out to lunch. And we're at Chili's and we sit down to eat. He's like, he's like, Scott, how long have you been a Christian? I'm like, you know what? It's been about, I think like a couple, almost like a year and a half, maybe a little under a year and a half somewhere in there. He's like, yeah. He's like, what are you, what are you working on? Like growing in right now? I'm like, well, you know what? I've kind of got that whole, my, my tongue. I feel like I got my tongue under control. I used to swear a lot and I really have it under control you know, I'm, I'm feeling really good about how I'm growing in the lust area, like getting over that, transforming my mind. I'm like, there's still like, still struggle with like just being lonely, being angry. I'm working on my anger right now, but those are, I feel like i got the other two licked. He's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, I feel pretty good about those, those other two. He's like, you've sworn like three times and you've been so angry the whole time we've been here and it caught me off guard. Cause I didn't even know I was doing it. I'm like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, you've like, you've dropped, you've sworn a bunch of times and you've been really upset with the waitress. I'm like, oh, I didn't even know. He's like, yeah, I, I just really want to make sure you were aware of your habits and what was going on. The reason I tell you this story is that we don't know sometimes. Sometimes things come out of our mouths, sometimes we talk about stuff, sometimes in the activity of our life, we are going to do things that aren't what we plan to do. And what needs to happen is that we need to have a heart and a spirit that says, those who are close to me have the ability to correct me in love. If it's your friend, if it's your your wife, your boyfriend, your your husband your brother your brother-in-law whatever you have those around you give them the freedom to correct you give them the freedom to help you because their goal is for you to use your words best they want you they want to see you live well so that's what i'm simply going to leave you with this was words matter Words are like awful dogs that run around a shop and get in the way of you and the job you have to do. You have a life to live and you could easily just let forth a pack of terrible wild dogs in your life and cause havoc and create destruction. I don't want that to happen. I don't want you to have to go through things where you feel afraid to talk with your family members because you're afraid of what you're going to say. I want you to be able to change your words. I want you to be able to control your words. And I want to tell you the best way to do that is by turning to the Lord, asking for him to change your heart, and then looking for the wisdom that he gives in the book of Proverbs. Because God will help. God will help you. God will answer your prayers. And God will work in you by changing your heart and by renewing your mind to make that transformation. Because remember, death and life, death and life are in the power of your tongue. And you could easily destroy someone. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we we come before you now about to give worship and praise to you. And we recognize that, that you You said so clearly through James in James chapter 3 that the same tongue that we use right now to give worship and praise to you is the very tongue by which we will attack and we will curse and we will despise our brothers. Now the tongue is seemingly untamable. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to ask you, O Lord, to change our heart. We're going to ask you to work through us to discipline this tongue. We're going to ask you to train it. We're going to ask you to leash it and constrain it and just contain it so that our tongues no longer get to go about hurting and maiming and killing people. Help us to give life. Help us to build up and help us to grow our brothers and sisters in Christ. Help us to know the purpose that we have with our tongue. And let us praise you right now in worship and praise you every day with the words we speak to those around us. We pray this all in your holy name. Amen.